In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Hello and welcome to the Motor Mouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. This week we are joined by a YouTube sensation turned presenter, commentator and the face of the world-renowned WTF1, one of the largest media brands in the F1 community. Since joining them, Matt Gallagher has risen to become one of the biggest names in the F1 community and is a go-to source for F1 info and content. Thank you so much to you guys who continue to download and listen. If you like it, please do leave us a review. It really helps us to get bigger and enjoy. Welcome to episode 34 of the Motormouth podcast. Before I introduce today's guest, I have to dart like the proverbial arrow across to the mysterious land of Essex. And did you know that Brentwood School, a public school established in Essex in 1558, can count actor Keith Allen, the legendary Noel Edmonds and political high flyer Jack Straw among its alumni? However, today, that is a mere side story. The important news of the hour is that once again, I'm joined by my illustrious co-host, the young, the enthusiastic, the man who takes pride in his exquisite facial hair. Harry Benjamin, how are you? I'm very well, Tim. Thank you, for, as ever, for the illustrious introductions. Uh, I don't really care for Brentwood. I didn't go there. At my right. school, right, we had uh, the only way is Essex, Mark Wright, uh, yeah. Good Morning Britons, Ben Shepherd, and uh, <laughs> the original Frodo Baggins. So I think uh, we're winning there. Hang on, um, the original Frodo Baggins? Uh, not the one, if you're like the, if you're like the Hobbit generation, I don't know. Like, the, what's it? That was the old chap. Yeah, the old guy. Yeah. I think he died recently, actually. Oh. But, um, I mean, I say that, could be completely wrong. <laughs> so, I just anyway. killed him off anyway. Yeah, I am fine, thank you. I've just uh, absolutely wolfed down a not lean in 15 meal. I'm fuming. Joe Wicks, not having any of that. Lean in 15? <laughs> it's absolute lies. But apart from that, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. You don't need to do that. You're a, you're a string bean. Well, I mean, my brother forced me to do it, so... No, I do. You do. no I'm good. I'm good. I'm in my office for once, for a change. Not not. Mm. hanging out in the bedroom i've got proper wi-fi sorted in here um nice. hopefully it won't drop out but um much better i've got my my children helmet up there look and, yeah, and, my, and my first place uh palmer sports was it yeah. palmer sports? 
Yeah. Palmer Sport, Ariel Atom 3, winner. Thank you very Ooh. much. Um, and uh, apart shame from that, I never progressed. No other news. But anyway, look, enough of us rambling on. Shall I introduce today's guest? Let's do it. So today we're joined by a man who's risen to online fame and fandom as the face of WTF1, a motorsport platform founded in 2010 with a vision, vision to serve and connect a new generation of motorsport fans who engage on social media. Matt Gallagher is one of the guys behind the success of the business, which boasts a monthly audience of 12 million people, including over 500,000 YouTube subscribers who tune in to see Matt's smiley face. It's an absolute pleasure to have him here. Matt Gallagher, welcome to the Motormouth Podcast. Hello. What an introduction. Thank you. Matt, thanks for coming on. Now, I've been asking this literally to everybody, um, and it seems like you just kind of have to ask, how has lockdown life been for you? How's it all been going? Oh, well, I mean, I've probably had about 100 versions of this answer, but it's not been been too bad. Um, I've been one of the lucky ones uh, to be able to continue working throughout Mm -hmm throughout lockdown uh, and the weird thing obviously it being such a torrid time for everybody but the the one shining light for me at least was uh, esports and and the virtual gp so f- f- weirdly it's been quite a good time in terms of my career but obviously not not easy for anybody yeah yeah it's uh, that's absolutely right and well esports has ha- just sort of, it was there in the background it was already a big uh, a big thing and it's just exploded do you and you were right right at the forefront of it do you think it will um it will continue Continue, or do you think it will sort of dissipate a little bit back into the background? I mean, I'm realistic when I think about esports. I don't think it will hit the highs of which it did during coronavirus for probably a very long time. Mm. Uh, not until potentially more, more immersion, more, um, I guess, physical danger in sim racing potentially like moving simulators i don't know but i don't think in terms of the numbers we'll we'll see uh, that for a while but it doesn't mean that we can't we go back to where we were before and i think the numbers there uh, will definitely increase because i think a lot of people have just needed that push to be able to really see what esports is because a lot of people just go oh it's just a game mm. uh, but then when they actually look at the entire production they realize it is actually quite good entertainment yeah. uh, and i think that's what the the lockdown really did kind of give for a lot of people and obviously the the uh the, the repercussions of it you know we've seen all these issues of drivers making errors whether that be something they've said or something in an esports game and, and finding themselves losing sponsors or even race seats in some instances so it's, it's certainly become big things um so let's take it back a little bit where, where does this passion for motorsport come from have you always been a fan um do you remember when you first got the bug <laughs> no, no, I don't. Because I was about, I think I was about eighteen months old, maybe younger, <laughs> when I was just kind of plonked in front of the television. Um, my, my dad just, you know, my dad's a massive Formula One fan, um, and he, yeah, very much just. Uh, there was literally no possibility of me not liking motorsport with the fact that it would just be on all the time, and and I'd be there, uh, not really understanding what's going on at that age. But but yeah, it's been you know it's been part of my life since then, and you know as I was growing up, you know I appreciate it more and more and more. Um, so, so yeah, it's been it's been in the in the veins for a very long time. That's amazing though. But what inspired you to then get involved in in the YouTube scene? Because before WTF one, of course, you were quite a big name anyway as X Matty G. <laughs> God, yeah, that that name just gives me slight shivers uh, when, I, when, I, when I cast my mind back to uh, your your videos. Used to uh, I used to watch them as a distraction <laughs> from revising for my GCSEs. 
I mean, so what, what does that, I mean, obviously, you know, you're an F1 fan, you want to play the game and stuff like that. What, what made you want to take it to that next level and go, right, um, let's, let's, let's talk about these, let's do these, you know, ridiculous commentaries and that kind of thing and have fun with people? Yeah, I mean, it was just a bit of fun. Yeah. Genuinely, it was a case of, Oh, a bit egotistical. I was like, oh, I'm pretty good at this F1 game. I want, I want other people to see how good I am. Um, so, so I just, you know, the first capture card I ever got was called a Blitzbox HD, and it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. If I look back at it, like the quality was, you know, I mean, we call some footage now potato quality. I don't know what vegetable or whatever it would be um, uh, back then. But yeah, I, I just wanted to show me hot lapping, and then I, and then I bought a terrible microphone. And, and I thought, oh, should I do some talking over it? And I just remember, you know, months I would spend on forums going, hey, guys, have you seen my 114 around Catalonia? <laughs> you know, and, and around so many websites trying to trying to get any sort of views, like 100 <laughs> subscribers was a massive goal of mine. Uh, and, and yeah, it just kind of went uh, from there. But yeah, it was just just a bit of fun. And it nev- I never thought it would end up to, to what I'm doing today. How did it transition into WTF1? How did that opportunity come around? <laughs> it's a funny story. Uh, so, so I I knew of WTF one. Any time that WTF one would like a tweet of mine, I'd get all you know. I'd be absolutely losing the plot. Um, but they didn't have a YouTube channel, uh, and I was obviously doing X Matty G. I think I got to nearly fifty k subscribers, but it was still very much like a, a thing on the side whilst I I worked full time. But um, yeah, I, I got a message from I think it was Tommy. Tommy sent me a Twitter DM. Uh, I don't know. Oh, he sent it somewhere. But anyway, I went to go and meet them and I met them originally. They didn't. They said they got some secret stuff going on, didn't really tell me much. And then Tommy sent me a message on Twitter saying, oh, great to meet you, mate. Uh, you know, uh, can, I, can we have a chat at some point? And I replied within 10 seconds. <laughs> there was no kind of, oh, no, you're chatting to a Play girl, cool. you know, give it 10 minutes. Yeah. No, nah, none of that. I, I was red, red, you know, straight in. Oh, so how, how can I help? Yeah, what, what, can you tell me? Can you tell me like a job, yes. Because obviously I was, I was waiting to hear about potential opportunity. Um, I think actually the first time I met them was when they were just meeting a few different candidates, but I didn't know what it was for. Mm. And that's when they messaged me again. And I was like, hello, yeah, I'm here. Hi, help you, Tommy. Uh, and, and it's funny, and then they and then they got me in again. Um, said, I think, well, I had lots of different tests. I had a, a voiceover test where I had to write a script uh, and then record it at the office. I had wow. uh, Autosport International where I had a test shoot, which makes my skin crawl when I look at that test shoot because I was, I yeah. I, I, is that is that basically like a screen test? Yeah, they were just they were yeah. just basically putting me through all the processes to make yeah. sure I could do every part of the job. Basically, that um, needs to wow. be dug up. We and I'm surprised this. they hired me after looking back on that test footage because, <laughs> like, going to that day, I remember it. I was absolutely shitting my pants because <laughs> this was the dream job. This was the end game, you know. So, so for me, this pleb that's been swearing at F1 games to then be given this opportunity to potentially work within the realms of Formula One was mad. So yeah. There's a brief story of that. <laughs> That's so what good. an amazing journey, though. Uh, WTF1, uh, so what year was that when you first joined? Uh, well, you know, 2020, I've been there uh, nearly three and a half years. So it was start of 2017 was when so I came did, on. Did you have any idea that it would explode? into? Obviously, they were quite a big thing back then, but they've just, year on year, it's grown and grown and grown. Did you have any idea what was to come? Not really, no, because... Obviously, I was really excited by the prospect. I knew that WTF1 was a, a, a presence in the community, but mm. you know, it was a huge pressure on my shoulders in the fact that they took me on as, as presenter, but also to manage the YouTube channel. I'm not just, 
you know, talk in front of a camera. I'm, you know, doing the, the, the ideas and the scripts and everything else to make sure that the content's good. So it's a, a huge new experience for me. We had zero subscribers. Okay, we can use a bit of our social following to push it. But at the end of the day, it was a completely different challenge that yeah. we had to come up with some staple series and, and really bring in the audience. So it was, it was difficult. You know, we had ups and downs as, as you do with most jobs. And, you know, there were times where you think, oh my God, you know, we're getting 10,000 views, which obviously looking now would be very disappointed with it. But back then, you know, we, we, we didn't really know if it was good or bad. And yeah, it was, it was a really tough sort of first year to try and get that traction. Cause mm. I knew what it was like back with X Matty G that it doesn't matter if you've got a bit of following here, there and everywhere, you still need to get that loyal fan base on YouTube so people watch it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and it hasn't just propelled WTF1, it's propelled you as well. You're following across Twitter and Instagram, you know, you get thousands of engagements and, and replies and things like that. And we've seen recently as well in, in, in sort of the F1 community that, you know, things can get quite hostile quite quickly. How have you dealt with, you know, things like that? Have you had much of that over Twitter? Because, you know, there's a lot of trolling that goes on. And how do you deal with that kind of thing? Because being on a pedestal that you are, people are going to be like, oh, well, I could do it better. Or, you know, oh, you didn't yeah. say this. Or why do you like Charles Leclerc so much? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've, I've developed a lot in that area over the years. I think I had, I mean, I think I had something on Reddit maybe a couple of years ago and I took it really badly. I can't even remember what it was now because I've just deleted that out of my brain. But, <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, some you know, haters, trolls, whatever you want to call them, jump on a bandwagon of, of whatever. Um, and back then I took it really personally, but then I kind of learned from that. And I was like, Matt, why are you taking this personally? It's a bit, it's online. Whatever they're saying, look, try and take whatever constructive feedback they're trying to say, but in a horrible way. Um, but, yeah. but now it really doesn't phase me at all. Unless a million people were saying, Matt, you're the worst person at your job. Uh, I don't think much phases me anymore, which is, yeah. which is nice because, yeah, I, 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 I'm a sensitive soul. But but I think it, in this realms, I'm I'm also quite confident with what we're doing and mm. the numbers and everything else show that we're doing something right. And as everyone says, if you have haters, you are doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you're not so, gonna yeah. you're not gonna please everyone all of the time, are you? It's it's absolutely impossible. And and it's very easy for people to hide behind their keyboards and, and say nasty things. But you know, <laughs> it seems like on the whole, um, you, you know, you're a very popular character in the motorsport world. And talking of motorsport, which presumably Formula One is your main passion, but do you follow other types of motorsport as well? Uh, well, no, not particularly. I mean, I, I I have a respect for all the motorsport series. I'll tune in if I have a bit of time and, you know, if there's W Series on or a bit of MotoGP, but I'm not passionate about any of those, really. It's it's Formula One. That's my bread and butter. It always will be. Uh, Formula Two, I'm massively into now. Um, and, and I like to watch the feeder series F3 as well. But yeah, apart from that, I don't, hugely invest my time in it we've done a bit of WEC content in the past which I do actually really like I've, I've loved going to Le Mans 24 hours been to the Nürburgring 24 hours and, and experiencing them has been amazing um, but I wouldn't say that I, you know I'm tuning into every WEC race or anything yeah. like that but and I like to I, I kind of know what's going on but not in a huge debate if someone ask me a question about WEC I'm probably not going to be able to answer it right, well that's that's the rest of the interview done yeah. um, <laughs> we love WEC alright well let, let's stick to F1 then so um, what, what do you make of F1 at the moment modern Formula 1 in your eyes you know what, what, what's your thoughts um, uh, it's difficult to say because Formula 1 evolves as does most sport and I think that you know we're very quick to jump on 
and complain about the sport. I, I complain about the sport, but I feel like our methods of communication have changed. Back in the 90s, we didn't have Twitter and Instagram to complain about everything that's going on. Mm. Um, now, I, they're moving forward. You know, they're, they're changing the, the regulations. They want to make following easier. And, and I think that they are heading in the right direction. It's just a shame that we've had to delay it a year because uh, I was very excited for that coming in mm. next year. But... Um, I think Formula One is in a good spot in a lot of ways. It's just maybe overshadowed by how well Mercedes are doing. Um, but it, it's, it's difficult. I, I just want to see a competitive field. I think everybody does. Mm. Um, but I think in making it accessible to fans, there's still things we can do within the broadcast, especially to elect, to kind of break that barrier of new people watching it and going, I don't have a clue what's going on. Why are those people on yellow walled tyres? Why are they on red walled tyres? What do they mean? Why is he in the pits? And as much as they're trying to bring in graphics like AWS Insights, oh, I was saying it in the expectations last weekend, it gives you no insight. No. There's, there's, like, I don't know why they're doing these tyre graphics. Like, If I didn't play the F1 game, I wouldn't have a clue what that meant. Yeah, but yeah. Why it, is Verstappen's front right 10% and Hamilton's yeah. 70 It also like, takes away some of the, some of the fun because I, I saw one graphic during the race on um, Sunday and it was something like telling you the likelihood of an overtake or how difficult that yeah, overtake yeah, was. Green and and it, the, yeah, green. Yeah, it's like, well, I don't really want to know that. You know, I want to see what happens when that overtake comes. I don't want to be told what's going to happen before it's even happened. It takes mm the fun away um, and I don't think those I mean the, the AWS graphics when that got released um, even though it was in practice I think it was universally panned on Twitter um, I don't think I saw Absolutely, one yeah. positive tweet about it at all um, and I understand that they you know they've obviously had this deal with AWS and they're like right yeah, yeah no, we can bring graphics in but just bring graphics that actually give you something yeah, to, yeah. To, to absorb rather than striking distance 22 laps next lap striking distance 6 laps it's, yeah, it's did you, yeah that was that uh, literally I think was that that was that literally happened yeah was it, was it Bottas I think on, on yeah, or something like that. and I was watching it with my brother who is you know he likes F1 but he's not you know massively into it whereas you know I, I can tell what's going on and all that and he's like oh 22 laps God, that's not very quick, is it? It's Bottas in the Mercedes. Why is he not? And then suddenly it's like, hang on, now it's six. Well, how does that work? And it's just like it, it doesn't make any sense to a, a to a casual viewer. It's exactly. like, you know, and, it, and it really decreases the sort of valid the validity of them. Um, but as you say, though, they, they've made leaps and bounds, especially with Liberty Media coming in and, and sort of changing the access and the way that the, especially the broadcast media do stuff. So you're absolutely right. I think changes have been made and they are for the better but there's still still a long way to go yeah I mean you can't complain when you look at Formula 1 maybe god probably only when we started WTF1 so only three years ago they didn't have any presence on YouTube really apart from the occasional highlights stuff yeah. whereas they've piled a huge amount for, for people to absorb content away from behind the paywall which is obviously something that uh, is hugely frustrating for a lot of people but at least they're doing stuff to engage with fans their mm. social media is amazing um, you know I know the guy that runs a lot of the Formula 1 stuff Charlie Eustace and you know having people like that that you know he's he's so like it's like-minded with us and he can engage with fans and you can see that behind the Formula 1 tweets rather than it being very corporate so, so there is yeah. a lot of stuff that they've done after obviously Bernie moving on but yeah. there's still there's still things to do in order to bring more fans in I think with Bernie for a long time they didn't even have a marketing department I, well, I think until, until he <laughs> oh, left oh it didn't make money so what's no, the point well <laughs> exactly so until he left you know nothing, nothing was going to change um, favourite driver do you, ha- do you have a favourite driver on the grid I think it's 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 tough to. I mean, I obviously have this running um, phrase that will haunt me till I die, 
um, which is I'm not a fanboy, just passionate of Charles Leclerc. Uh, <laughs> so much so that obviously I shouted it in London. But um, no, I don't, I don't have a favourite driver as such because I, I'd, I want to see Charles Leclerc do well. There's, there's no... You know, there's no denying that. But I also want to see Lando Norris do well. I also want to see George Russell do well. Um, it, I don't think it's fair for me to say that I have a favourite driver, but I'm not unbiased in the sense that when I'm watching the race, I'll still have positive emotions towards some drivers and negative <laughs> towards others, potentially, if they've knocked someone off. So, you know, that's that's what makes our content different to everyone else, is that we are fans. We make content because we're Formula One fans for other Formula One fans. And they may disagree with us. They may think I'm a Charles Leclerc fanboy. But I think the main thing for me is that whenever we do content is that I'm not, I'm not blinded by bias. I give my opinion no matter what. Yeah. And and it's not like if Charles Leclerc, like Charles Leclerc's performance this weekend, I said it wasn't great because he could have easily fought back like Vettel did on the strategy, but he didn't. Where where does the, uh, where does the, the, the love for Charles Leclerc come from? Uh, I don't really know, to be honest. It just, it was his performance in the Sauber in Baku. I was like, yeah, he's pretty good, isn't he? And then I tweeted a few things. And next thing you know, I think I then found out that he loves WTF1. He then said in an interview that his favorite page is WTF1. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, all right, this, this guy's very good. Um, <laughs> and then obviously got signed to Ferrari, which was amazing. And, and he, he was, he's so he's such a nice character. Um, a story that not many people know because this was back, I think it was 2018, I was out in Mexico and I didn't have any, <laughs> it's quite embarrassing really, I didn't have any entry to the, the circuit because we were doing sponsor work outside of it. And I put this, you know, this tweet out, oh God, what shame, I'm in Mexico and I can't go to the track. You know, this kind of half-begging tweet as you do. Um, and then Charles Leclerc DM'd me and said, oh mate, uh, I can get you in. You know, I've got a spare paddock pass. What, two spare paddock passes? Do you want to come in? Oh. Uh, so then me and Jess, who worked with us at the time, you know, dropped off this this uh, pass uh, through his manager and we were in. And I was like, this man is a legend. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, when you, that, that's when you know you've made you know, it. Just when passionate. It, you know you've made it. When, <laughs> when an F1 driver drops you a DM, you you've uh, you, you know you're onto something good. Yeah, you, you should have seen my face. I was sat on the bed. Race is literally about to start in about an hour. And I see the DM and I'm gone, Jess, um, uh, how long is it going to take to get to the circuit? An hour. Right. <laughs> We've got to go. Let's go. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, um, let's talk teams now, shall we? And you put out a video recently uh, looking at the Racing Point team and all the controversy they've uh, garnered this year about how close it is their car is to last year's Mercedes. Is it a copy? Tracing Point, the pink Mercedes and all that. What, what, do, you, what do you think of it? Do you think that copying teams or, or whatever their version is of copying it is actually quite a valid way of performing at the moment because at the moment Mercedes were a second ahead in qualifying and you just think well the only way to get close to them is to just try and copy them yeah it's an interesting one because you know I'm all for teams taking inspiration from other teams and, and as long as it's within the rules which Racing Point are saying it is you yeah. know that they within the, the regulations they haven't got intellectual property from Mercedes they've simply taken lots of pictures and they've designed it themselves um, I'm sh- well you, you, yeah. you never know because they are taking Mercedes power unit and you know everything yeah. else uh, with them as well but it makes sense for them to do that it makes them uh, to go down the Mercedes philosophy if they're taking parts away from them as well to use uh, so I'm I'm quite happy to see Racing Point fighting with the Red Bulls and being up there. Uh, it's it's a shame. I, I think it's not going to be the way of the future because then every team's just going to be a year behind Mercedes and then we're never actually going to see an innovation where they can take on the Mercedes. Yeah. Um, but but for the midfield teams to, to get a little bit closer, 
why not? As long as they're playing by the rules, which we don't yeah. know if they are just yet. But. And it's given Lance Stroll a chance to showcase his exceptional talents. Exactly. I, you're, you're a bit of a Lance Stroll fanboy, aren't you, well, actually, Tim? I've, I've, <laughs> I've always felt a little bit sorry for him. And I must admit, I jumped on the sort of... So, Lance... I'm sorry, sorry for, well, for Lance Stroll. Okay, not in a crying into all of these not, texts. <laughs> not in a financial sense. But, uh, but you know, he's had, a, he's had a rough ride with the media and whatnot. And finally, he's got a car that he can show what he's capable of. And you're not in F1, even if you pay your way in with dad's money, you don't get to F1 without being a half-decent driver. And to be fair, he's got a good car now and he did well. He beat his teammate. Mm, yeah. You know, he was yeah. right up there. I had a bet on him to come first, actually. I put £10 on First? He, lo- he lost me my money. First? Yeah, I know. Was, I got a bit carried away. How much would you have won if he'd, if he'd finished first? 300 quid. That's not even, that's not even good odds. How much did you put on? A tenner. A tenner? Oh, yeah. tenner. I was going to do more. I mean, I understand oh. maybe with the rainy conditions that you fancied the paddle. Uh, the rain that kept coming if, as well. If, had, it po- <laughs> had it poured with rain, there was an outside chance that he could have yeah. done something special. But no, in, in all seriousness, I, I, I have become a little bit of a, uh, a Lance fanboy and, and I messaged on um, at Twitter that he came across well in the interviews with uh, Coulthard on C4. And um, I just thought, fair play to him, you know, okay, he's got lots of money, but I don't know. felt kind of warm no, and fuzzy he was, for he him. was good. He was decent this weekend for sure. Um, I... I think the one gripe I have with him is that most of his interviews, he just doesn't. He looks like he doesn't want to be there. He's the pet, yeah. he's he petulant. Looks like his dad wants him yeah. to go follow his dream yeah. and then eventually leave the sport. That's how I. That's the feeling I get. It's no denying that, especially this weekend, he's shown that he he has got talent. I just like to see a bit more personality from him and, and a bit more sort of Albon and Lando Norris innocence of just you know I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, yeah it, it would have been amazing if he got involved in all the uh, the esports as well that happened off season, which really I think helps the characters of like George Russell, yeah, Alex Albon, and Lando Norris all come to the fore, and I think it's helped them in a way that it, that they wouldn't have been able to 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 have before. Really, um, talking of drivers though, um, who do you miss? Now I'm I'm putting it out there. I'm I'm actually president of the Paul Deresta fan club. Oh, here we go. Um, here we so go. Uh, I miss him dearly, and I support him to the very end. Um, it's borderline. It's borderline stalking, by the way. It this, is borderline stalking. But hey, well, it's all good fun. Paul Deresta, out of every driver. Yeah, don't ha- oh, don't have this out with me. All right? He was he was. He he should have been in that Mercedes seat or that McLaren seat, but he never got the chance. And he was well, done over. He was done over by the managers, uh, by Force India, and uh, he could have been uh, not maybe not a champion, but a consistent podium finisher. I just don't think. Harry, you're getting ch- worked up. We're getting worked wasn't up. Wasn't he? Uh, wasn't he drafted in for a hungry race not not too long ago? It was a few years ago. Way. Did an absolutely yeah, stellar job. <laughs> Only a couple of tenths off Stroll. I was like, this is it. This is the oh, comeback. A couple of tenths Four off Stroll. Down the line, he's back. And now. <laughs> And now at least I get to still see him every day on Sky Sports, although it has been absolutely killing me that they've had the graphic wrong for ages, saying he raced from 2010 to 2011. But finally, my persistent tweets have have made that change. So, hey, we get sidetracked. Let's pull the rest into the podcast. Ticked off the list. Uh, Who do you miss, though? Because we've got, you know, uh, Maldonado must have been a huge amount of content for you. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that was pr- probably before I joined. That was more Tommy Maldonado. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Um, I don't have the same passion for Maldonado as Tommy does. Um, I- I'm Michael Schumacher fanboy every single day of the week. When he came back, it was like Christmas every single race weekend, uh, as much as his performances weren't particularly great. Um, yeah, it, there'll be nobody else. Michael Schumacher was my hero growing up. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm so gutted that... Obviously, the news of what happened to him is horrible, and I, I 
like every other Formula One fan wants to know what's going on. Um, but but from a racing side of things, I'm so gutted that he didn't get more than one podium. Like it's ridiculous how quick that Mercedes was, and yet he just got all the bad luck he could have possibly went. Like all the bad luck that he didn't get in his first career, he just got in his return. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It, it pained That's me. What, it yeah. pained me. Um, you uh, you drove um, an F1 car back in 2017, and we we often talk. I didn't to... pay anyone to mention this. Just FYI. no, no, <laughs> I always get no. a stick about it. Um, <laughs> but we've we've spoken to a lot of people, including drivers on here, who have described the moment they first um, stepped up into Formula One, coming from not necessarily a driving background. What was it like jumping into an F1 car, and and take us through that sort of visceral experience, and, and how did it make you feel doing something like that? Um, well, uh, it's funny, actually, I just randomly watch that video occasionally, just because I'm like, that's not real. And I just go back to I've watched it, the video probably about 100 times, and I just go back and go, it's not real. But it was, um, I remember the day so, so well, because I, I soaked it in as much as I possibly could, uh, because I knew that I had a very limited amount of time in the car, you know, all the time in the car was shown in the video. And Getting into the because well to be fair a story that people don't really know is that I almost didn't get to go in the car um, because the Renault mechanics hadn't been told that I was supposed to be going into it so oh. they were all packing up uh, and then I was stood there going is this my dream literally shattering in front of oh, me yeah. like I I couldn't just be like oh mate no come on get me in I'm not going to do that I was just stood there just started my job <laughs> only a few weeks in just kind of stood there just waiting to go in the F1 car <laughs> um, but then they turned it around and because originally it was supposed to be five laps and then that, that obviously got shortened because they didn't realise that I was going to be going in the car for some reason but anyway yeah getting in the car uh, you know just sitting just sitting in the car obviously being strapped in to every millimetre of my body until it was almost exploding uh, <laughs> but just seeing the mechanics around me you know I've got a helmet on I've got my hands on the wheel and I'm just going how the flying have I ended up here um, and they they didn't well the first guy that went in had to use a clutch and couldn't get out so basically they rolled me out because they're like we can't be bothered to keep starting the car on and off <laughs> all the time um, they rolled me out and it was an amazing day. Like, it was so beautiful. And my first thought is, right, I've got an engine, the guy in front of me telling me to basically let off the clothes, like, you know, just kind of talking me through it. And I'm just going, Matt, do not stall. Do not stall. Do not stall, please. Because I stalled a blooming Clio Cup car five times. Those before, are easy like, to stall. Before. They're easy to stall. Yeah, they're horrific. Mm. Um, and, and I get away. <laughs> And I get away and I'm like, oh my God, I'm driving a Formula One car. Oh my God. I, I, I'm genuinely going, Matt, you need to remember every millisecond of this because this is not going to happen again. And then pulling out the pits, pressing the accelerator and my head was left about three flipping miles back down the wow. road. And that was just a little, you know, little whoop. And I was going, okay, this is nice. Uh, and it was only the national circuit. So I turned right and then went on to Wellington Strait uh, just before Maggots and Beckett's. And then, I, you know, I'm going, I have to, I have to, launch this I have to go full throttle I might leave my soul behind but I have to do this and so I did it first first go full full beans and I'm, I'm revving out and when I was looking back at the footage there's a camera angle that we didn't use at the time but you could see because it, it wouldn't have made sense to the audience but I was upshifting again even though there was nothing left in the tank <laughs> because it was it was limited to 164 miles an hour you know, I am. I am genuinely. My eyeballs must have been coming out oh of sockets, my God. and I'm and I'm still trying to upshift. What is wrong with me? Now, there's no <laughs> gears left, Matt. They've just limited it. But the acceleration was the same, and it was. I will never forget that to the day I die. Um, and then I remember coming round into. Oh, is it Woodcut? I can't remember what it's called now. The the right hander before the straight into 
turn one again, or the old turn one again, cops. Yeah. But that right hander, I remember downshifting and going, you've got to give this beans because it's the only time you're going to go past the old pit straight. Cameraman's on the side. We need to give this full beans. So I did. And even the small right kink, so the small right kink before the, the old yeah. pit straight, I'm thinking, look, I've played F1 games, Matt. You can take this flat. And I, and I just turn and I'm like, holy, f I genuinely, I was like, oh my God. So I lift it ever so slightly. You don't really hear it. And then I'm straight back on again. And I, I go flying past. And the funniest thing is, because the cameraman, Ethan, he, he couldn't keep up. So it's the worst bit of footage ever, but it's right at the end of the video. Him just going, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and uh, you can see all the Renault engineers poking their heads out. <laughs> praying that I don't go into cops and just fly off the track and into the Oh, my God. <laughs> apparently, they didn't think that either me or the competition winner would, would go flat out because we're not mental. But I was like, I, I'm doing this. I'm a Formula One fan. I've dreamed of this. So, so yeah, and then I went round, went down the straight again, full beans, and I didn't go hard on the brakes because I didn't really know how it was going to be, and I didn't want to crash the car. So yeah. I was like, I'll go ham on the, the accelerator. Let's be a bit calmer on the brakes. Mm. Um, and yeah, and then coming into the pits, you know, I was, you know, I was emotional. I cried on video. I did. I was yeah. so early into my career that Ethan was filming me when I was on my phone on the phone to my mum. I didn't have a clue that he was filming me, nor that I had my mic still on me. So I'm blabbing away to my mum, and yeah, the, the rest is history. That's but yeah, amazing. It was very you, emotional. You've day. painted a good picture of it there. Yeah. And I can I can totally imagine how. Well, no, I can't imagine how it feels actually. I mean, the closest I've got is a Formula Three thousand car, and and that gave me goosebumps. I can't imagine what it's like getting into an F one car. Um, now, listen, you you recently um, had a crack at some some uh, real racing commentary um, yes. in in F two. Um, tell us about that. How did it go? Is this the start of a wonderful journey to uh, Formula One um, commentary? Um, how did you enjoy that experience? Oh, that was so. Yeah, the Formula One drive was uh, you know the best experience of my life, hands down. In terms of achievement-wise, this was probably up there. Um, being asked to do Formula Two commentary with Alex Jakes because. You know, I, as with back with X Matty G, you know, I did commentary, I did, you know, stupid league racing commentary and, you know, all sorts of stuff. But, I, you know, I had no training in that area, uh, no sort of ex real, real motorsport world experience. So coming into this, I felt so out of my depth. You know, I'll be completely honest with you. You know, I, I, I know how to talk a lot, but I just wanted to make sure I was talking sense and with some sort of content and, and, and filling. Um, so, so yeah. Doing it was amazing, like absolutely amazing. You know, to, to, to commentate alongside Alex Jakes, who I rate as the best commentator in the business, uh, was was so surreal. And as the color commentator as well, it's, it was very difficult as someone who isn't an XF1 driver or an ex-driver to be able to give the analysis mm. that is expected of you. So so I kind of just tried to play to my strengths and was like, right, Matt, you're, <laughs> you're quite good at sort of analyzing what's going on, timing screens, the battles, all that sort of stuff. And I have a basic understanding of racing and everything else. So I kind of just tried to play to my strengths, not, you know, blag around going, yeah, I can see on the front right the inertia of the tires is blah, blah, blah. You know, uh. I don't even really know what inertia means. But, but, um, but, but, um, but Alex Brundle does, who I was listening to the, the weekend before. So I was going, how the hell am I going to fill his shoes when he's given all this analysis? But it was amazing. You know, just playing to the strengths, as I, as I say, and, Try not to over overdo it was yeah. was a main thing for me. Mm. Yeah, because I think it's probably quite easy in that scenario to once you sort of lose your thread, lose your train of thought. It's probably quite easy to disappear down a hole and yeah, completely I'd, I'd, go blank. 
I did that a few times. <laughs> Genuinely, I'll be going, oh, I don't really have much else to say here. Even before, like whilst Alex is talking, I'll be sat there going, I have nothing. <laughs> I literally have nothing to offer right now. And he's about to stop talking. I can totally. Uh, imagine so how then, that feels. then I start talking and I pick up a point or whatever and I start analyzing something. And then I'll say, and. I'm going, why have I said Anne? <laughs> now what are you going to say, you idiot? So I'm sat there again going, right, now I've got another point to say and I've got no more time to fill. And because I can't I've got stop to saying talking. Anne. I can't stop. <laughs> yeah. But fortunately, that only happened a couple of times. Um, uh. the, the worst moment for me, but also the funniest for a lot of people, was calling Dan Tictum's front right tyre a 50p pence. Um, <laughs> it was close. That's going to happen uh, though, isn't it? Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was amazing though. Is there any... Any more perhaps in the pipeline or is it just sort of wait and see? Are you allowed to tell us anything about that? I can't announce anything, um, but it, no, Alex Brundle, as, as far as I'm aware, is doing most of them uh, and this was more just kind of filling the gaps, but never say never, that's what I'll say. Yeah, what a, what a thing to, to add to your, your amazing career so far and you're still so young as well. Um, now, Tim, should we, do, uh, should we do the quiz now? Oh, God, yeah. Let's Why do the not? quiz. Cue music. I've got high hopes here. Uh, Are you doing it again? No. Uh, Right, okay. Matt Gallagher, welcome to the hardest quiz in motorsports, as termed by Will Buxton, so you know it's accurate. Um, Now, I have got four clips that I'm going to play you, all in relation to uh, Formula One, you, your career, uh, and basically it's it's a listen, and uh, and then I'll ask you some questions afterwards, and then uh, there's a bonus question at the end. At the moment, there are 13 points up for grabs, Top of the leaderboard is uh, Martin Plowman with 13 points. Second is Brendan Hartley with 12 and a half. And third is Guido van der Gaard. Uh, What's bottom? I just don't want to be bottom. Chandok. Oh, bottom is the the ever-lovable Karun Chandok with three and a half points. Three and a half Uh, is what I need to... Okay, all right. Three and a half points. Right, okay. That's the one to beat. You should be able to do that because Chandok didn't really have a... He just had a shocker. Um, (laughs) Midfield, David Coulthard on 10 points. So that's your next one after Chandler. Right, Tim, let's play clip number one. And I'm warning you now, this is really short. Are you ready? Here it comes. <laughs> that's it. That's all you get. That's all you get. Right. Do Have I... another listen. Here it comes again. <laughs> I think I'd now, get this, you know. If I didn't know... If, it, if I didn't know the answer, I think I'd get this. Now, what? who is that? And, Hamilton. Oh, <laughs> boom. And why are they laughing? <laughs> oh... Why are they laughing? He said Lewis Hamilton with such confidence there. Like, I've got this. I've got this. That's one point. That's one point. You've got two more to get. (laughs) And why is he laughing? Why is he laughing? Now, think about it. It's to do with you and your career. Why is it got to do with... Oh, um, it will be the uh, me asking about the dogs. Yes. Absolutely nailed it. Really it's the only time we've had content <laughs> is it really yeah that yeah. is a tough one to get um, okay well that's a hell of a start let's move on to clip number two have a listen to this here it comes I just had much of a bird worth checking the car and stuff after to see if it's died anyway now how well were you listening uh, to the first two Grand Prix now who is that uh what session are they in and what Grand Prix is it? Lando Norris, Styrian Grand Prix, and then Free Practice 3. Ooh. Or two. <laughs> Damn it! Okay. That's two points, Lando Norris, Styrian Grand Prix. And 
Which free practice session did you say it was? Oh, well, you said, oof, so I want to change it from three to two. Oh, you know what? <laughs> You're going to get two and a half for that one. Yes. So generous. It was so indeed FP2 Lando Norris at the Styrian Grand Prix. Nice job at the moment. You're well past Chandok. Cool thought is the next point of attack. Okay, let's have clip number three. Here we go. Did you like that one, man? Did you like this? Right. Same thing goes. Who's talking? What's just happened on track? And which Grand Prix? Sergio Perez. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's he's overtaken. It was, I'm trying to think. Was it? Uh, I will. I will accept here just a team. Yeah. It was, it was Austrian Grand Prix, and. Oh, was it? Oh, God. I can't let... They roll into one because they're both of the same... <laughs> the pain and like suffering. The pain and suffering on his play, face. Play it again. Play, play the clip again. I need it. Okay, here we go. <laughs> here it comes. Did you like that one, man? Did you like this? I know that was... Oh, my God. Was it? Well, you, got one in, you have got one in the bag for Perez. Yeah. Look at the turmoil. Okay. Oh, oh my tough God. one here. Yeah? Uh, literally. Uh, it's the reason it's the hardest absolute, quiz. Harry, I get I'm to, an absolute I, blank. I think I get to play my favourite sound. It definitely, yeah, it definitely wasn't uh, Hungary. So it's either Styria or it was Austria. He's and dawdling. He had a good race in Austria. I think it was the Austrian Grand Prix. Was it Austrian Grand Prix? Oh, no. No, oh, it was Styria. <laughs> God's was sake. Styria. But it, it was, was it round the outside at turn four? Uh, no, it wasn't turn four. Five. Uh, Yes. <laughs> I'm going to give you one and a half points okay. for that one. So it was Perez at the Styrian Grand Prix going around the outside of a McLaren. Oh, um, okay. okay, right. Bit of a blip there. Let's see if we can crawl it back. You've got one more clip and then a bonus question. Let's play final clip, please. Here we go. Oh, this is fast. <laughs> now, who is that? Uh, what's the context of what they're saying and what session are they in? Okay, I'm, I'm confident with this one. Carlos Sainz, Austria, FP1. Boom, three in the bag. Nice. So it's his first time going out and he was like, yeah. oh my God, this is fast. Yeah. <laughs> He's brilliant over Team Radio. Okay, your bonus question for an extra point is this. How many views does WTF1's most viewed video have? 4.7 million. Oh, has it gone up? <laughs> give you that. You rounded it up, but I don't blame you. <laughs> it's like 4.6 and a half, but yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs> give me that 50k, come on. <laughs> right, okay. So, Matt, uh, where does that leave you? Let's do, just do the maths. Uh, Pretty hard. Oh, that's a solid, solid, solid. Now, last time we had Esteban Gutierrez on last week and I really, really mucked up the maths. I just completely forgot to add two <laughs> extra points and I was like, sorry, Esteban, you come like three from bottom and actually you'd come like eight. Um, <laughs> but, Matthew Gallagher, you have achieved 10 points on the hardest quiz in motorsport, which puts you in esteemed company with David Coulthard in 14th position, just below Sebastian Buemi. So that's not too, uh, not too bad names to be surrounded by. Well, I wanted three points, so 10 will do. <laughs> yeah, you, well, you beat Chandot well. Uh, well, well in there. Well, thank you, Matt, for playing Motormouth. Well done. Good. Well done, you. Now, listen, um, we know you're an F1 fan. Um, there's a lot of other different race series out there. Formula E, Extreme E. There's even an electric karting and electric scooter series coming out. 
First of all, do you what's your take on the electric series that are all popping up all over the place? And will F1 remain relevant? Well, that's the big question uh, that nobody really knows, which is the scary thing for how Formula One's going to uh, evolve and, and change. You know, even with the the V6 hybrids, you know that that got a lot of stick, but you know that's probably not the end when it comes to evolving the the series. I think Formula E is a really good. Um, uh, series as well, just purely from the fact that they've kind of got it right. And I think the more, the, well, the quicker the cars get, uh, the, the more sort of uh, respect it will probably get from the old school motorsport mm. fans. Because I think season one of Formula E, I can understand why they got the stick it did in terms of its racing and the cars, because they were slower than Formula Ford cars. So I can understand why motorsport fanatics wouldn't be like, oh my God, yeah, electric cars, but they're going quite slowly. You know, so, so I understand that side of things, but there's an absolutely a place for it. So I don't, I don't really understand why there's this whole debate of whether or not Formula E deserves a place. It's not competing against Formula One in my no. eyes. It's a completely separate entity where we can enjoy both. Apart from when they put them on the same time and the schedule, and I'm going, why? Why would you do that? Like that's just you have one job. Just make sure it's not when the F1 mm. is on. Mm. Um, so yeah, Formula E, Extreme E. That's the uh, environmental series, isn't it? Yes, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't really seen much come of that since I went to the launch event of it. But I like, I, you know, I like that sort of thing, and it's cool that they'd be they're, they're looking into it. I think the the one thing that would probably rein that back is the fact that it wasn't live, as far as I was last. It was more of a program rather than it yeah. is live sporting yeah. event. So I can probably see where the limitations would be but then at the same time if they're driving over the Sahara and the Arctic and things like that I can understand why it's not live I don't think the the internet would be particularly good out there um so so yeah I you know I, I completely welcome it and I'm sure we'll do a lot more work with electric series in the future uh, and maybe Formula E will get me in their next gen car you know just just saying hint, hint. Uh, <laughs> yeah. wink wink nudge nudge because I drove the first one so Okay. I bet, I bet that was a bit of a come down uh, post F1 car. No, it was it was a completely different experience because granted it wasn't as quick, but the track that it was on, Ber uh, the Berlin Tempelhof, whatever it's called, at oh, the, the, uh, the circuit, yeah, the airport, hmm. it was so narrow. You know, this was where it genuinely yeah. was testing my abilities, and there was no ABS, so I had to hmm. genuinely concentrate very hard not to crash and I almost had the slowest crash of my life <laughs> at about four miles an hour at turn three or four Donk. whatever it is coming over uh, under the tunnel um so, so yeah it was it was really cool uh but by the end of it I actually felt like I could start pushing which was quite an exciting thing that the Formula One car if I started pushing I'd end up in the barrier yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's where uh, that's where they're doing all the, the six races in nine days isn't it uh, yeah all at the same place but different yeah. layouts three track layouts yeah so yeah. that's gonna be uh, grueling on them um, Matt what would you tell your 16 year old self if you could go back in time everything's going to be all right oh, no. I, I didn't really Bless know you. what I wanted to do when I was 16 yeah. and I not many people believe this because of the personality they see on camera, but um, I was extremely shy at school. Um, you know, I was bullied a lot and my self-confidence was, was really low. Um, and, you know, even now I'm not, I'm not the most confident. I know how to put on a confident persona, but I wouldn't say that I am, you know, completely and utterly um, confident within myself. Uh, and I think that's just a natural thing that, that I've had uh, throughout the years and, and from my school sort of upbringing. But yeah, I think, Genuinely, it'd be, you're going to work in F1, mate. Yeah, that's pretty you're, cool. 
Don't worry about it. You're going to yeah, be like, there. And what? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how um, it's funny how YouTube and, and media can can bring the best out of people in that way. And we, we had uh, Mr. JWW, uh, the YouTuber, on here a few weeks ago, mm. and he told us that he uh, before YouTube he had a stutter that um, uh, caused such problems for him oh, at yeah. school that he couldn't get through you know anything, couldn't get through a sentence without stuttering. And, and um, he found that talking to camera and, and media and YouTube actually it just it just disappeared. He just you know, brought him out of his shell, gave him confidence, and it all disappeared. Mm. It's amazing what it can do. Listen, I'm curious to know, um, outside of, of what you do, what are your hidden talents? What are you good at? Is there anything outside of motorsport that the public don't know about that you're exceptionally good at? Like Will Buxton, for example, is ridiculous at drawing. I don't know if you've seen his... Um, I haven't, no. He's got his own um, Instagram for his drawings, which are absolutely amazing. Oh, really? What, what are you good at outside of motorsport? Um... I don't like blowing my own trumpet, but in terms of things that I'd say I'm all right at, um, singing. I do a lot of I do a lot of singing. Harry, um, away from uh... another member of the band. Oh, <laughs> Over the yeah. course of our podcast, we've discovered we could create a band out of a complete mismatch of of drivers, broadcasters, it's an orchestra now. What, what a team! What a team! Harry's uh, he's in the theatre and all sorts of stuff. I've got an album. I'll have you know. Amazing. It's a choral album. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, go on. You can sing. What else can you do? Um, I like playing sport, tennis, badminton, anything with rackets, golf. Um, I'd say I'm I'm pretty decent at a variety of sports. Uh, I've always enjoyed going doing that. I'm a massive gamer, obviously. Um, But yeah, I don't have a huge amount of other passions apart from sport and you know, social life with friends and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I think the main things that comes to mind is singing and uh, mm. and, and playing sport. I actually went on the X Factor when I was seventeen. So uh, did no. I. Which is something that some people <laughs> did you know. did you make it to yeah. the, did you make it to the live shows? No, I, I was one one stage away from the, the judges uh, side of things because um, there's loads of preliminary rounds. So yeah, I with the producers. The final, of yeah. Yeah. yeah, I did yeah, the so same I got to the thing. final stage of that. Were you a solo act? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> This is amazing. This is amazing. Wow. So I, Exclusive. I, I did that in, I can't remember what hotel or where we were. It was eight years ago. And I did that. And I got, um, there was about eight of us going into the room that they send you into to do that. And, th- and there was an 80-year-old man in a cat suit. And he got through and I didn't. And I was like, that's it. That's life. Yeah, life I saw two over. people in chicken suits get through in yeah. the first round. Yeah, it was yeah. great. Great for the self-esteem. God. Yeah. Okay, let's flip it around. What are you crap at? What are you absolutely awful at? Drawing. <laughs> uh, I, I am the worst oh my god I mean my mum did all of my art homework so they thought wow. I was amazing until I got to the exam and then they were like what's, what's going on here Matt you can do a stick man um, but yeah no drawing horrific um, yeah I think that'd be my main one now I think I may know the answer to this but from your career so far what's been your biggest highlights <laughs> Well, we've mentioned two, which was the F2 Coventry <laughs> and, and driving the F1 car. you had to put car. one on the top spot. Oh, F1, the F1 car, without a yeah. doubt. Yeah, yeah. That, that will never be topped. It may not even be topped by a childbirth or getting married, but uh, I won't <laughs> tell that to my future fiancé. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, let's flip it the other way around, though. Obviously, working in, in media for a start and motorsport, there could be some tricky, uncertain situations. Have you had any of those? Or what's been sort of your most uncertain point in your career? Um, it's yeah. It, I mean, it, as you say, it is a difficult thing to, to to go through, especially in our very strange 
business that, that we're in, you know, we, we rely on, you know, lots of you know, sponsor money and, and YouTube and everything else to be working. Uh, for me, most uncertain time, probably joining the company, it being zero subscribers, having the pressure of having to make it work. Otherwise, look, my salary can't be paid. Um, so, I mean, obviously they, they didn't say that, but in my head I'm going, mm. well, this has to be a success. Otherwise, what's the point in me? Um, yeah. So I'd, I'd say that um, when coronavirus hit, you know, there's obviously concerns there as well about what's going to happen with my job. You know, as much as, you know, if, if the money runs out or whatever, there's still, we still can't, well, in my head I'm going, well, I still can't stop what I'm doing with WTF1 because we can't just pause. We, we can't go on furlough. Like, so so uh, fortunately that was never mentioned. Uh, but but th- those are the kind of concerns in my head when obviously all of this started. But I mm. guess, yeah, probably the start when we didn't know if it was going to be, be a success, didn't know how long it would be for, because Carthrotter was very much a startup company at the time that was when they first bought WTF1. Um, so it was very much kind of going month by month and trying to make it a success. Yeah. And um, we like highbrow content here on uh, the Motormouth podcast. So this is a very highbrow question, one that we asked um, British touring car driver Tom Chilton and my wife actually. Occasionally I say to Chloe, give, give me a question that we can we can chuck into the podcast. And so it's her to blame for this. I, I take no responsibility. Um, would you rather be covered in scales or feathers and why? I can't say I've really experienced either, so I'm trying to. Um, oh, scales because I feel like I'd get less hot. <laughs> now, I, I, I don't know if that's the case. I wonder if that is the case. I'm a really hot person, not in terms of me blowing my own trumpet, in terms of genuine temperature. <laughs> I the summer is horrific, and if oh. I was had a, a, a just covered in feathers, I think I would internally combust and die. So I feel like scales would be better. I could like reflect the sun. I don't know. Oh, um, very good biology. Yeah, I think, uh, did children go for scales? I think he did, didn't Yeah, they? it was something about that he could go in the water then or something and like swim that. swim with the fishes. Yeah. He seemed to have a proper logic behind the answer. Yeah. It was very interesting. Hey, there was definitely logic there as well. I'm oh, sorry, yeah. There was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can, I can sympathise. I'm a hot person that could not be dealing with the summer heat. No, thank yeah. you. That's because you're so um, close to the look, sun. Now, we have a, a final three questions that we ask to to all of our guests. Um, so I'll, I'll kick off with the first one. Yep. What's got you excited at the moment? Formula One being back, um, and I suppose just my career at the moment is quite exciting. Uh, I'm really quite excited by WTF1 and, and the brand and, and where we're going and the opportunities that I've been able to to somehow bag. Don't, I still don't really know how, but um, yeah, it's it's just really exciting to, to still three and a half years down the line be a presence within the Formula One world and kind of looking forward rather than backwards, especially with Talk mm-hmm. Esports, our, our new owners, which, uh, you know, they they bought us through it during that coronavirus time and and they've been incredible. You know, they get esports, they get exactly our tone of voice and what we need. Um, and I'd say it's probably the happiest I've been in terms of where we're at and where we're going. So, yeah. That's great. Amazing. Um, if not doing what you're doing, what would you be doing? <sighs> Something a lot more boring. Um, I probably would... S- probably be working with young people. It's what I did before. Um, I went into presenting and, and YouTube and that sort of stuff. I used to work with young people in schools, helping them get through difficult times in school. So I used to work with vulnerable young people, basically. Um, so I, I imagine I'd probably be still doing something with people. I like helping. I like 
getting it to the end of the day and thinking I've made a difference. Uh, so hopefully I don't have to go back down that route again and this career stays successful for a while. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, probably that if not. I'm sure it will. Uh, and the final question to you, Matt, what are you scared of? What am I scared of? Um, probably not doing the job that I'm doing right now uh, because it's such a, a volatile thing. You know, we rely on a lot of things like YouTube. We rely on things still remaining. Uh, we rely on fans still enjoying our content. So as much as the job is incredible, I still worry from time to time. I don't, I don't go to bed worrying, but you know, there's still those concerns sometimes when you have things crop up like coronavirus or whatever, where you think, oh, this dream could actually chatter a little bit. Um, so for me, it's, it's a concern in the sense that, you know, I know that things can change. I know that I can become irrelevant very quickly. I know that people can get bored of content very quickly. So, so for me, I use that, that concern and, and worry and to make sure that I am the very best that I can possibly be on camera and I'm the very best when it comes to ideation and making sure that the fans are listened to. Uh, because without them, without literally people watching, I wouldn't be in a job. So. That's, that's a great answer and um, I think a very humble answer. And it's it's been great having you on. It's been it's been great watching your uh, progress with WTF1 and, and your personal career and seeing you move into your Formula 2 commentary and so on um, and all the esports stuff. So um, all the best for the future. Hopefully we'll see you in a paddock soon. But thank you so much for joining us and taking the time out. We'll let you get on with your evening. But Matt Gallagher, thank you so much for joining us on the Motormouth Podcast. Thank you for having me, guys. Very much enjoyed it. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and on Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile, interact with others and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.